Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. We're going to jump into the Amazon Vendor Central world as well, as I'm just curious and I want to learn more. And I have with me uh, someone who's very busy this week because he's focusing on the T5, as it's called, Will Hare from Bellavix, an agency that focuses on the, the full funnel of advertising marketing for Amazon brands. Hey, Will, welcome. Hey, Scott, thanks for having me. Taking some, putting some time aside to just chat with you about T5 and more importantly, some vendor questions around metrics yeah. and profitability and all that fun stuff. So super excited to be here and kind of chit chat with you for a bit. I think I've only heard of it called the T5 just like in the last two years. Yeah. And I like it. I think it's a little bit easier than just saying, okay, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yep. And for Amazon, in my experience, Cyber Monday is actually the biggest day of them all. Have you had an opinion which one's like the bigger sales day? No, I, I believe it's for online, generally Cyber Monday, because it's it. there are still a lot of old fashioned and, and we're seeing like shifts in consumer behavior that obviously there's less e-commerce sales, more people comfortable going back to retail. So that plays a big part into it. But I, I do think Cyber, uh, from what we see, Cyber Monday is generally the better day. But I do like T5. I like Turkey 5 the best, just so we can get a mascot behind this holiday. That's, you know. And I think Monday is really big because a lot of people shop at work, you know. And so it's the first work day after a big holiday. And so they kind of just, everyone's mind just turns to, okay, what's next? And so the holidays. Holidays are showing up. So what are you thinking about this year that's maybe new or different that you're focused on so that some of the brands that you work with do really well? Yeah, so we've been pushing really hard for streaming TV and it started back in Q2. So Amazon came to us through the advertising community with an opportunity for the streaming TV light program. So it gave us the ability to have Amazon create professionally made 30 second videos for our advertisers as long as they committed to spending i think it was like 15k over 90 days so pretty much the cost of a video and we're kind of reaping a lot of those benefits now because we're running those you know we have active campaigns going so it's been pretty exciting to see the quality of the content so i know there's like a i don't know if it's called amazon live or like just like a live like qvc type of is that what you're referring to or is this something different yeah so it's something different so they actually have like through the service provider network, they have approved like video companies, video production companies, and they'll record you a legit 30 second commercial. Uh, we've had it done for a beauty brand, a supplement brand, a couple sports equipment companies. And it's, you know, it's a branded video. They knock it out in like eight to 12 weeks, give or take. And the only thing is a commitment to spend. And it's been... Where do those placements go? Yeah. So Prime Video primarily so like you might see them in between shows that you might watch freebie which is their new you know the rebrand of imdb it shows up in typical like ott placements so there are placements around you know amazon and stuff like that and it's upper funnel so like we have the ability to retarget these audiences we have brand analytics data on the back end to kind of help inform the type of targeting. So, and it's, it's pretty new. And the fact that Amazon's pushing it, you know, giving us the opportunity to provide it is pretty cool. 
I know some part of my audience, you know, they're not big into advertising. They're more into like, you know, just the nuts and bolts of Amazon FBA. But then there's a, there's a lot of people like, you know, you, you kind of have to pay attention to every new spot that Amazon is like opening up for ads and off the backs of like recent announcements just this last week about Snap and Instagram integrating. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah, the shopping experience. It's kind of another way for advertisers to be like to ultimately end up converting on amazon a little bit easier i mean like i'm sure amazon sellers are already spending on some of those platforms and so it could increase the conversion rates you know if it's just a seamless experience well what i do for these holidays is the prime exclusive discounts i think here's my thing is like you know i'm always championing having good inventory discipline. And like right now, if you have bad inventory, like it's your best chance to get rid of it. So I kind of blanket put like, you know, the prime exclusive discounts on all of my like stale inventory because there's my opinion, your answer, your options only get worse if you just keep waiting on this inventory even further. So that's the other part of your business. Obviously, a lot of businesses have a few winners, but you, know, you probably have a few, you know, middle of the road guys. And so, you know, I throw on coupons, prime exclusive discounts on all that stuff. Let's see. So now I wanted to ask you a few questions around Vendor Central. I don't know too much. I've played around in a few Vendor Central accounts over the years. But I just want to know how Amazon thinks about it and how like vendor central, this is a part of Amazon that, you know, if you're talking to someone, they have a vendor central account, usually that means they're a large brand and Amazon has created a buy and sell relationship with them. They buy their inventory and sell on their behalf. So I just had a few questions. I see these terms getting thrown around and I don't fully understand them. So terms like net PPM, how do they calculate profitability? And there's a few others. Let's just jump into it. So you've got experience with with vendor central accounts. Tell us like just a first, like how do they think about Amazon? Yeah, so a necessary evil, like there's no way around it. The vendors know the necessity of being on Amazon and the benefits of a vendor relationship. Obviously, if you have a good net PPM, which is what I'm I'm glad your pure profit margin, generally you'll get more support from Amazon. You might have an Amazon rep. Uh, There are small brands that still exist on Vendor Central, but generally they're at a lower net PPM. So PPM stands for pure profit margin. That's how much margin that Amazon makes. That is the your profit margin. So it's what you're you're making. And the way to calculate it is like your average sales price on the account level. It's your ship revenue minus your cost of goods sold. Add in vendor terms minus any discounts. Okay. This is the vendor's profit. Yeah, and this is the vendor's profit. And then how does Amazon calculate their profit? They know that based on their what they calculate the purchase orders that they submit to the the brand. So they obviously know what they make on it, and then they they'll sell it for whatever. They have baked in uh, costs like your co-op fees. That'll range that you know is Amazon's ability for placement and other inventory, like freight allowances and stuff like that. So and I give you guys some ranges too. I had the team just kind of do a little digging in prior to our our conversation. 
And so like, uh, like for example, like a hardline product. So like you sell like furniture or like hard goods, typically you can expect a healthy PPM between like 35 and 40% for something soft lines like apparel or linen, stuff like that. It's like 28 to 34% and uh, consumables. So like beauty products, so on and so forth, 24 to 31%. So that's typically the range for like, I would say a healthy vendor on the platform in terms of their PPM percentage. And would the co-op fees and like, would that be included in those margins? Yeah. And like to give you an idea, like, so I have some ranges for co-op fees I could share with you guys too. So if you're a vendor manager and you're wondering, especially, well, it started like last month, but now is the time where you may be negotiating for 2024 in terms of your fees and stuff like that. And the more sales you have, the more leverage you have, uh, how it works. But generally, like your average co-op fees, we see are between 4 to 10%. Your market development fund fees are between 11 to 20%. And obviously it varies based on the category. Uh, freight allowance fees are between two and 5% and damage allowance is between two and 11%. So that's kind of like uh, some ballparks. If you fall on the higher end of any of those ranges, you have some negotiating room, but obviously sales is what's gonna help get you better terms. Yeah, it feels like on the third party side of selling, like. You know, we feel like we get nickel and dimed that fees on all these different points. And there's several fees that are that are rocking up, you know, co-ops, freight, damage. To be honest with you, Scott, the, the issue with the vendors. So we have transitioned, I think, like four accounts this year, you know, 2023 alone that were vendor accounts that went 100% seller. And a lot of it was the inability to just make make money, adjust pricing other issues when they're running deals at on other platforms. So, so the vendor is not right for everybody for sure. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of limits, you know, because of that, we're seeing more vendors open to the idea of just being on, on seller central. Yeah. But I have also heard that some people vendor actually is right for them, or at least like the way that they do business. Do you ever see that? Yeah, of course, big manufacturers, we actually see a lot of resellers who do pretty good. We work with a, a perfume manufacturer that has like the rights to uh, some of these pretty big brands. And uh, it's perfect for them because they're able to recycle a lot of the, the resources and material and people are already going on Amazon and searching for those types of products. So the relationship is great. They get paid up front. Uh, what we see too is like uh, better placement in search, uh, better buy box ownership if you have like a hybrid strategy setup. So overall, you know, Amazon likes vendors. What do you mean better placement in search? Uh, what we have noticed is that like, if you have a, like a vendor listing and at the same time have a seller central listing. So the buy box rotates between the two and maybe some other third party sellers. Internally, we've noticed that it skews more towards vendors. So more likely when Amazon is winning the buy box, will they receive slightly better placement in search, but obviously that's just our small data sample, but it's what we observe. I believe it. I mean, there's something internally that the way that they, I know that algorithms work. They're always trying to think like, what's the best experience that this customer is looking for? Like what's going to like give them satisfaction? What are they, they going to buy and be happy with? 
I swear it is skewed towards themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. They paid for it. They're on the hook. Right. So uh, that's interesting. And now there's another term that I hear, like maybe this is the same thing, but I just like want to like hear it, put a definition to it. What's contribution margin? Yeah. So contribution margin, I mean, in this context, I think it varies, but uh, I guess what I would say contribution margin is it would be just the difference between your cost per unit, so your sales price versus what you you actually sell it for to Amazon. So look at it as like your gross profit margin and kind of what influences that. Yeah, that's probably the gross. Okay. Now tell us about how some of these manufacturers or if they start liquidating products, maybe it's just like liquidating through like other channels and how that creates an impact on their advertising. Oh yeah. So that's a, that's the thing we see with a lot of retail brands, especially if they're doing liquidation or they just don't have a good grip on their wholesale streams is it floods back on Amazon. And when you lose your buy box, obviously it affects your advertising campaigns. Generally it affects sales velocity. So having a good map policy in place or enforcement is obviously part of the game. If not monitoring, it affects contributions on the listings. So your titles may change the images. So overall it wreaks havoc. So obviously there's different ways to solve it, but overall you want to make sure if you want to control the brand on Amazon, you control it, you control your, your distribution. Yeah. I think that the cleaner way, like you said, is just to know your distribution and know like where things ultimately get sold. Now there's been plenty of chatter where like, you know, Amazon, maybe they won't issue they won't do purchase orders as often or as frequently, or maybe they just stop altogether. What would a Amazon vendor be able to do to, to fix that or like, you know, how to think about that? Yeah. So there's a couple things. I mean, off the bat, you have to show Amazon there's demand. So if you're not already an advantage is to drive offsite traffic, you know, run some, it's said, easier said than done, but run some Facebook campaigns, drive it back to your listings, anything to show demand. If you're, uh, if you were like a hybrid account where maybe like a typical strategy we might set set up with a seller and vendor would be launch products on Amazon, show that there's demand and then provide it. We can get good terms, then, you know, sell those products on vendor. Then you can roll in like Vine program and be more aggressive with advertising. Now, this is the good conversation to have this because we just talked through a lot of the, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of like, you know, being a profitable vendor. But I know some vendors, like they do do advertising on Amazon. Who pays for that? Is that part of the co-op fee? Or is that like, let's say, you know, you're a popular drink brand and you want to go really big. And so like you just start funneling your own money into ads, knowing that ultimately that money will come back in POs. Yeah. So great question, Scott. And it's a combination of both. So they do collect like a marketing fee and they'll, you, you've seen examples of these, like you'll see uh, a search ad come up for your product. If you search it in Amazon, they do it for sellers too, but it's like an example of where they might put your budget. Um, and then you get availability to different programs that can help with, you know, launches and, and other other marketing opportunities. And then the second way is obviously just advertising directly on the platform, you know, PPC. If they're doing that PPC, do they just pay that themselves out of their own pocket? 
yeah, they pay for themselves knowing in the long run it's going to drive results. A lot of times they have the margins where, you know, they're able to advertise you know, 20% of the cost of the product or less to drive additional growth because, you know, the, the halo effect essentially is what, what they're investing in. And like I said, they should have, you know, ideally closer to 40% profit margin. Yeah, halo effect, new to brand customers. It is a little bit interesting that like, you know, the finances of a vendor are just slightly different, you know. You get your money up front and you're waiting for a, another PO to kind of like come and help you out because, you know, you could be investing to get that product sold. You could be buying advertising and all this and, you know, then you're hoping that like, okay, another PO will come. So that's really interesting. Okay. I appreciate that you came and like, you know, you got a little nerdy and technical with us on the problem because like ultimately a lot of, I know a lot of sellers, either they are a reseller or they're a brand, they go up against Amazon and they, they compete with them on the platform. So it's just helpful to, to know how they think. I mean, if we're going to get all technical, I recently heard this quote um, from Sun Tzu's Art of War, to, you know, to to beat your enemy, you have to like think like your enemy, and because uh, like you know, th there's a lot of competition on Amazon. When you think of vendor, like you have transitioned people away, but I generally don't think it's going. I don't think the vendor program is going away um, altogether. It's kind of just it, it is a lot of revenue for Amazon, and even though it's it's losing market share. Um, I still think it is growing. So what's your take on vendor? Yeah, I 100%, 100% agree. I think it'll continue to grow. I think what it'll be, it'll be for just like larger premier brands where they get, they can dictate the terms in which they sell to Amazon and to get the support and benefits. I think, uh, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, it was much more open up. You can get, you know, they were going after categories a bit more aggressively. So I do think there's some value. I don't think it's going anywhere. I think Amazon does pretty well off the service. I just think it'll be it'll be fewer brands with better access. Sounds like you do a pretty good job of finding these types of brands. Where do they congregate? What type of content do they read if they're trying to learn about the platform? Is it just like where everyone else is? Pretty much. I mean, the forums are pretty good. I'll also say the RSS newsfeed for Amazon, they put out stuff pretty regularly. Outside of that, it's being in like niche category. I've just always like, so here's two places that I, I mean, there's a few places that I've come across. There's one, you know, there's a small subreddit where it's like vendor central. And then there's so little activity there then I'm like, where are these people? And I kind of imagine they peer into the 3P world. They learn a little bit, but by and large, like, you know, I don't know if anyone's like really gathered them in a sense, kind of like the way that that, you know, 3P is, you know, organized in like a hundred different places from Facebook groups to newsletters to Slack groups. There's just so many places and, and vendors are kind of hidden in the cracks. Maybe they're just hidden because they're in such, because they reside in such large organizations that they don't put themselves out there. Yeah. Hard to find information, which makes it a really uh, niche talent. Yeah. I hear you. Well, is there anything about vendor that you think is interesting that maybe we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I would just say if you're if you're trying to measure your profitability, don't forget to check your financial disputes, chargebacks, shortages, price variations are all ways Amazon recovers fees, uh, especially if you're voiding your your contracts with them. So 
uh, you know, make sure you're sending it in the way it should be sent. You're formatting everything correctly and you're transparent with your inventory uh, and you price it. You honor Amazon's pricing policy and it's uh, it's found cheapest on, on Amazon. That would be my only additional for your audience. Yeah, there's these uh, new chargeback focused companies that kind of like help assist people minimize or even get money back that Amazon has charged vendors. Have you seen that as like a, a growing sector? Yeah, we actually have a partner we work with. I can't think of the name of their company, so they're going to kill me. But it's definitely a benefit. The only drawback is, is like Gatita or a brand similar to that. They kind of have a performance-based model. Everywhere else, there's fees associated with it. But they can recover a lot. Like some of these brands that are moving, you know, if you're moving, you know, 100,000 plus sales a, a month, it'll be... They'll find some inaccuracies and get your money back. So it could be worth it. We support it, but not all brands buy in. Right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting. It's exciting time. You know, it's Q4 a little bit. Everything's a little bit more effective, you know, in terms of reaching customers. Does this time of year make you extra busy? Yeah, it definitely does. But it's a good busy. You know, a lot of it is execution. It actually started like back more towards mid-October where... We started doing a lot of the, the seasonal updates to help our brands that are obviously impacted by it by this season. So a lot of it's now just execution, but it's a fun time to sell on the platform. And there's lots of opportunities for sellers of all sizes. It's an awesome place to be. Totally agree. You know, if you enjoy you know, kind of the thrill of an auction, of, a, of selling someone online, this is where you'll really get it. And, you know, maybe every year a few new entrepreneurs are hooked. Yeah, yeah. Well, Will, thank you for coming in and chatting. Your agency, Bellavix, been around for several years. And I appreciate anyone that has like experience with like something a little bit unique and, you know, the vendor central side of things. Sounds like you've been in a lot of those conversations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And I appreciate being a guest and sharing some of my knowledge with your audience. Awesome. Well, with that, we'll wrap things up. And thank you, Will. Good luck with the Turkey Five and I hope all your clients do really well. Cool. Thanks again, Scott. With that, we'll wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening. And that's the pod. One, two, three. Yeah.